Welcome to this podcast from the Arctic Frontiers Conference 2013. We're speaking with attendees, speakers, and members of the Young Scientists Forum about their work, their hopes, and their concerns for the future of the Arctic. This is a joint effort of the Arctic Frontiers Conference, the Geopolitics in the High North Program, and the Arctic Institute. I'm Tom Fries. Today I'm speaking with Andreas Kramer. An engineer by training, Andreas is the founder and director of Ecologic Institute, a science-based policy think tank with its home office in Berlin, Germany, and associated offices elsewhere. Hi, Andreas, and thanks for speaking with us today. If I could ask you to start off by telling us about your current research or any plans that you have for the near-term future. Well, the three things that uh, we are doing now at the moment is one is we are publishing a book um, summarizing the results of our uh, Arctic Transform Dialogue that we ran a few years ago between the EU and North America really to find out uh, what Arctic policies could look like and how they could converge. The second one is we are currently thinking through together with the German government um, the options for German policies towards the environmental component um, of the Arctic, um, what a member state of the European Union can do, uh, what are the limitations. And the third one, very exciting, is we are preparing for the third year of the Arctic Summer College, which will begin sometime around the sea ice maximum in the Arctic um, and will run through the summer with a series of sessions. It's really a college that uh, appeals to everybody who lives in the circumpolar region. Uh, it's virtual, it's all web-based. Um, very exciting, and we look forward to the third iteration of that. Well, as a uh, past participant of Arctic Summer College myself, I can only heartily endorse what you've said. It was a great experience for me, certainly. Um, you have your fingers in a lot of different pies in your work at the uh, at the head of Ecologic Institute. Could I ask, uh, how did you get to where you are? Were there any unexpected steps on the way? Um, with hindsight, I think the most unusual thing that I did is after leaving school, I went to work in the oil and gas industry for two years, completed a management training. That experience has shown me two things. One is that I'm not good for large corporate organizations. I do not fit into organigrams very well. And the second one, it taught me um, how people who are um, exposed to the risks of the oil and gas industry every single day become very cavalier in their approach to risk management, uh, whether it is their own health and safety or whether it is the environment. So it underlined my desire to work in a different industry, and that ultimately pushed me in the direction of uh, environmental policy. So you've just spoken about both the oil and gas industry and environmental policy, which are, of course, key components of the dialogue about the Arctic these days. Let me ask you, when you think of an ideal future Arctic, what does it look like and what role do you think Ecologic Institute and you yourself could play? Well, what the Arctic should look like is something that ideally the Arctic people, um, the people who live there, should decide for themselves. Sadly, they can't because of the impacts of what is happening elsewhere on the planet, um, uh, the impacts on the Arctic environment, um, the resource demands and whatever else. Um, some of the people living in the Arctic, they insist on their right to be cold. Um, and that is indeed a right that should be recognized. And um, that should call for much more stringent and climate protection policies at a global scale than we currently have. We won't get effective policy, so we have to plan for a heating up of the Arctic. And then it's really up to the people who live there 
to decide how they want to structure that so that it is hopefully peaceful and uh, prosperous. What can Ecologic do in, in, in order to make that happen? I think our contribution has been um, uh, increasing the uh, level and the quality of the dialogue around the Arctic, at least part of the nations that need to be involved um, uh, in that. And I think that we have done some pioneering work in understanding the footprint that one region, the European Union, has on another region, the Arctic. This idea of not only understanding the footprint, but also the person who has the boot on and trying to understand the complicated relationships between um, a, an area, the European Union, where decisions are made, where policies are defined, where action or non-action takes place and really determines what is happening in the Arctic. I think that there we have done something and I hope we can build on that in order to improve the understanding of what happens elsewhere in the planet that has, planet that has an impact on the Arctic and what interests are in the Arctic that translate into do's or don'ts for um, decisions elsewhere. You mentioned improving the dialogue around Arctic issues as one of the contributions that Ecologic Institute has already made. In terms of that dialogue around Arctic policy and or science issues, what do you think people should be discussing that they aren't currently talking about? I noticed that um, the there is a good bilateral dialogue between almost any coastal state or Arctic state with any other one. Um, so the lines are open. Um, there are multilateral dialogues amongst civilians, um, but there is very little dialogue that actually crosses the civilian military uh, line, and the, it seems to be very difficult to get Russian military people, people with a, uh, from Russia with a military background, to talk to people with a civilian background um, from the other Arctic nations. I think this is something that needs to be addressed. I think that one of the um, subjects that need to be discussed together with the military forces uh, operating in the Arctic um, is the risk of uh, radioactive contamination as a result of a civilian or um, military accident up in that region. It is a very worrying prospect looking at the uh, circulation um, patterns in the Arctic, the ability um, of any um, contamination in that region to stay there for a very long time and contaminate food sources. And I think the third area that is not being discussed uh, sufficiently at the moment is the impact of continued migration by southerners, um, meaning from the southern um, uh, latitudes, to into the Arctic and the um, impact that that can have on the populations that have long been established in the Arctic itself. Let me ask you last before I let you go. I, I am sorry to hear that you won't be joining us up in Arctic frontiers, but I'd like to I'd like to know what you see as the value of events like Arctic frontiers. Well, I very much regret that I can't come to the Arctic uh, frontiers event. No, I would come if I could in order to listen and to learn um, because there's so many aspects that I haven't understood um, and I would like to expand the networks um, because ultimately um, the Arctic is a region that covers so many different cultures, covers so many different uh, languages, covers so many different interests. It is really the integrating of networks um, that are far wider than anything that is needed elsewhere and yet at the same time it should be easier to do than in areas that are um, so ridden with conflicts. Um, in spite of all the tension, the Arctic is still a zone of peace. Overall, I 
would want um, the Arctic frontiers to help strengthen the community of people who care about the Arctic and want to design a policy that makes it peaceful and prosperous. Thank you very much for, uh, for taking the time to talk with me this evening. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, and it was a great pleasure talking to you. Thanks for joining us for this interview. Follow along with the series on iTunes or via our websites, arcticfrontiers.com and thearcticinstitute.org. The music you've heard at the beginning and end of this interview is from Loess, from their album Wind and Water. You can hear more samples of their music on iTunes. Just search for their name, which is spelled L-O-E-S-S. -S.